Asshole Cord is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. The evolution of TV and media is moving at a pace faster than most even have time to keep up with. It seems like there is a new streaming app or alternative for TV popping up every day. Back in the day, you have to have one of those well-to-do friends that had a satellite dish. Having 200 channels, including squiggly line porn channels, at your fingertips made the possibilities seem endless. But even then, it wasn't easy to get on TV. Sure, there were different genres of TV, but in relation to today, and the literal thousands of viewing options, it was a lights-on missionary version of television. But there were some evolutions during the time. We saw the advent of television news channels, advancements in sports broadcasting, and of course, the beginning of the trash TV era. It's hard to pinpoint exactly where it started, but I believe it's safe to say that the subject of today's show is on the Mount Rushmore of Trash TV hosts. In my humble opinion, you could safely put up there pioneers Jenny Jones and Geraldo, perhaps the GOAT Jerry Springer, and the subject of today's show that has made paternity tests fun again, Maury Povich. Povich got his foot in the door as an anchorman, but made his mark on pop culture with the patented crescendo of the ever-popular paternity story and punchline, You Are or Are Not the Father. It's one of the lowest hanging fruits of trash TV, but Maury's ability to find the right characters to tell their stories, combined with the propensity for fistfights, relationship swaps, and overall chaos, the combination of ingredients made for a successful run of over 30 years. But as you could imagine, there were a few bumps in the road along the way. It's nearly impossible to get this many fucked up adults together in one place, day in and day out, and shit not get a little sideways. But was there drama off screen that matched the on screen shenanigans? Is everything we're seeing on the show really what's going on? How many different guys would you need to sleep with to hold the record for most paternity tests administered on Maury and still hear those feared words, you are not the father? Buckle up for some drama and make sure you wear a rubber as we venture down this twisty road of the Maury Povich story on the latest episode of Asshole Court. In the case of five-month-old Avion, Mike, you are not All right, so before we dive into it, we are, of course, going to hit our segment from the inbox. So, a couple episodes ago, I believe it was before Saddam Hussein, or may have been the Saddam Hussein. It was Saddam Hussein. And I was talking about pet peeves, and or yeah. Mikey was talking about pet peeves. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, if you're only getting six months for murdering somebody, that's right. who would you start murdering? Oh, yeah, we actually got a flood of uh, responses on that one, didn't we? That's exactly right. Great question. So, uh, we got a few listeners' pet peeves in response to it first one was from Saturn Quartz. They said, people who leave their buggy in the middle of the aisle to stare at cans of beans. Agreed. Yeah. That leave their 
I like they like just like park the, in the middle yeah, and then go kinda, off and look at stuff. Stand, no yeah. spatial awareness yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. You end up standing there because you do the polite thing and, and you wait. just sort of like hover over them, hoping that they'll do the right thing about. Oh, I'm so sorry, but sometimes they just don't. don't. And then so then you have to squeeze past them and do the. Excuse me. Excuse you know me. what I do? I'm fat. I move their cart for them. Smart. I have to. I'm yeah. like, all right, sorry. I literally like, sorry. Yeah. Move it. I always yeah. just d- do on. the line from Fight Club in my head. You know, question of etiquette is I pass. Do I give you the ass or the crotch? <laughs> 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 ass. Yeah. And then the next one was from the whiskey trainer. They said the ones who grunt and slam weights inside Planet Fitness are first to go. Oh, yeah. yeah the slamming of the weights. Yeah. Uh, totally alarm. unnecessary. Especially at Planet Fitness because they literally have like a lunk alarm in there specifically right. for that. Yeah. It's yeah. like judgment-free zone. That's yeah, how they live. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That purple and yellow blinds me. But, there's you know, they have the lunk alarm. Any of those guys that do that is always strange, I guess. I don't know. You should work out at home. You got to kind of read the room, right? If you're yeah. in a gym with like, Oh, a limited amount of people, and everybody is doing heavy weight. Oh, yeah. Like it's a weightlifter's yeah, gym. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's kind of built lot, for that. Yeah, exactly. Not Planet Fitness. No, I agree. <laughs> Planet <laughs> Fitness is made for like 50 year old women um, that come to do their uh, the little cardio, the 30 minute workout. Yes. That's and it. guys like me, because I also go to Planet Fitness. So, uh, <laughs> it's like a no judgment zone. So don't go there looking to get judgment right. cast at you. That's you know, right. like, do, don't do anything that's going to provoke it. Yep. No, no. It just seems unnecessary, too. I feel like it's. It's like uh, beating off. You should just do it like a ninja. You know, no one should know you exist, <laughs> right? <laughs> just passing the night. Nobody That's it. really knows. Exactly. Yeah, you, you do your lift, and you're like, all right, good one. All right, thanks. <laughs> Get your water bottle and go to the go to the fucking locker room. And the last one, I uh, got a response from Mikey on Instagram. It was from Mr. Skills. He said, "I'm in Atlanta. I'm driving home from work, oh, yeah. and I'm taking surface roads. A guy in front of me is about to turn left into his neighborhood." Traffic is backed up, so he lets a couple cars in before he pulls in. I'm like, cool, he's being helpful. Mm-hmm. A minute later, this a-hole is still letting people in. Six months, I'll take it. Dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's my boy Chuck Skills, yep. and I love Chuck, and uh, I got to agree with him wholeheartedly. Yeah. Like, and Mike, yeah, Mikey replied to him, I'll quote home teams, Outcast and CeeLo on this one. It's a thin line between love and hate. Yeah. It's a thin <laughs> line between love and hate. Because no, like, like they're trying to do the right thing, and you should zipper merge, but that's the rule. Zipper. Let one out, then you go. You go. Yeah, that's you it. don't keep on letting people. Like no. at a certain point, that's you're not obeying the laws of the road, right, right there. Even letting that first person through, it's not yeah. really technically yeah. right, you know. But hey, cool. You want to let the first person yeah. through, but it stops there. Yeah, you know, like let's keep shit moving, folks. Yeah. I think everybody should just follow the rules of the road. Don't let people in. Just yeah, go. the whole rule. Could cause what happened to this guy? Yep. is now you're backed up for the next guy, and now well, Chuck's gonna kill you. Yeah, you know. Well, and the rule is this: is uh, don't be nice, be predictable. Yeah, that's all yeah. I, need. Yeah. I just need. If we're at a four way, we we know how this goes. You don't have to be super nice. To let me through. You were there first. Get the fuck on, man. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, that's right. Uh, so we also got several funny comments about uh, John DeLorean looking a lot like Alec Baldwin. I thought that, that was really funny. That, uh, well, because that picture that was, was Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> well, there I am, fooled again. <laughs> I saw that when it came up, and I was like, well, that's that's Alec Baldwin playing John DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like a 2021 movie that came yeah, out yeah, or something sorry. like that. It was a strange movie, too, because I remember watching that, and it, he wasn't he was playing John DeLorean but he was also Alec Baldwin playing John DeLorean. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're doing makeup on him. He's like, well, the interesting thing about John DeLorean is, and I was like, no, no, I just, you just put the makeup on and be John DeLorean for the next two hours. <laughs> I'm good. But that's also like, 
I've been watching a lot of, uh, what is it, it's like Pluto TV here recently, yeah, okay. yeah. and they play a lot of like the older movies back from the 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. and uh, I saw Flatliners on there that had Billy Baldwin <laughs> in it. What happened? Because me and you both watched the same <laughs> shit here. <laughs> I was like, Flatliners? I forgot about that movie. Thanks, Pluto. I made it about 10 minutes in, and I was like, I'm fucking oh, out, sucks. dude. That was the thing. Like I was watching Stephen Baldwin, like yeah. watching him like secretly record a girl that he was banging within the first five minutes. I'm like... Yeah, all these Baldwins. I'm just kind of done. <laughs> that was Sliver. No, that was Flatliners. Did he also do that in Flatliners? Because the they then there was two Baldwins. Because Kiefer Sutherland calls in oh, while uh, on right. the on the answering machine. He's like, "Hey, you got to be there tonight. That's don't forget right. the camera." That's right. And the girl's like, "What camera?" <laughs> like, That's right. I forgot about that part. I only got to the part where Kevin Bacon was running someone down. Like he's he's obviously a, a medical student, yes. an intern, like basically doing his rotation, and he just decides, you know what, I'm going to do this surgery. And, <laughs> and, and the lady's like, you know, he's already making cuts, and they're like, you can't do that. And that's it. No, no, no. That's a shutdown. You will never be a doctor. Again. Yeah. They just were like, just just run with. He's like, just give me the knife. I'm just going to do it. He's got the desire and the heart. <laughs> He's got a good heart. So Mikey made it four minutes into the movie, and That's I made right. it seven minutes That's into it, the yes. movie. So. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. But yeah, all those bald ones. You look at them for like five minutes. You're like, I'm, I'm done. done with this movie. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, Alec is the is the king of the bald ones. Like Billy and Steven, Steven are the weaker bald ones. Yeah. You know. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, he did. It was just weird. He did a good job playing Delorean, but then it was again like they were like interviewing him while he was putting makeup on i was like i don't need to know the method to the acting i just want to see the movie about delorean that's awesome so no thank you for all the uh the feedback from our question to the audience about the pet peeves and uh, always appreciate the comments so keep them coming yeah you too may make the inbox awesome all right let's get some pre-show scores for my boy maury mikey lead us off okay 5.22 Running them right with Jerry Springer. It's so easy, right? Because nice. I don't have a whole lot of frame of reference for this guy. I'm obviously aware of Maury Povich. I've been alive. It's funny that when uh, Randy said, you know, 30 years of doing the show, I'm like, that can't be right. And then I'm like, oh, shit, I'm just old. Yep. Yeah. Um, wow, yeah, because it was probably like in the early 90s that he started. The Maury Povich yeah, I was like, that show started oh, that's in right. Yeah, exactly. Like so um, I, 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 he's probably going to be slightly less bad than Jerry Springer. I don't imagine he was writing checks to prostitutes that bounced as a mayor of a town. Um, but it's just easy marker for me so i'm going 5.22 match him up with uh our, our, our boy jerry springer r.i.p excellent 5.22 for mikey buddy what do you got pre-show all right so for me pre-show i'm gonna tap back into uh your opening read and you were talking about you know like satellite tv even like having to have uh you know like squiggly channels 98 oh, yeah. 99 of course and for some reason that just brought up the memory of our friend that we had back in high school that had the nielsen box Oh, over yeah. at her oh, house. Yeah. That's, <laughs> That's right. right. And I remember like going over there, like you had to log in. They had it was like number one was dad, number two was yeah. mom, three <laughs> daughter, right. and uh you had to log in as a guest if you were like, you know, like four, five, or six, yep. you know. But I remember we would go in there and log in as number three <laughs> as our friend yeah. and then turn it to channel ninety eight or ninety nine and just leave it there for like an hour and a half or two hours. <laughs> <laughs> she would get so mad. But mad for, her own for those way. of you that aren't ancient like us, uh, channel ninety eight and ninety nine used to be the uh, porn channels. Yes. Where you could tune in and you would get squiggly lines. Yeah. So the channels were like 
You'd see a titty. Encrypted, almost, but you could see a titty every once in a while, yep. And the Nielsen ratings were, it was a box that they would send to you, and they would basically kind of just gather what you were watching and kind of, you know, be able to... ratings, yeah. So who's watching That's how the TV ratings were gathered. Yeah, Yeah. and our friend, uh, she uh, collectively watched probably, I don't know, 15 hours of squiggly porn <laughs> a week uh, yeah. <laughs> we would do it. she would be like stop it guys <laughs> and they always <laughs> it always cracked us up but sometimes those lines would go away for a second and it was just full on porn and it was 90s heaven for yeah like a, <laughs> you were like 16 year old dudes yeah. were like sweet yeah there's yeah. a room full of people and you're yeah. like i don't care uh, <laughs> yeah Wild. I mean, a kid, you'd be like, I don't know what's going on, but all these chicks are taking it right up the butt because it was all doggy style. It was the '90s. It was like the that was the 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 position to prefer. Jour. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was some good memories. So, um, that, that's what triggered when you said the satellite TV from nice. the '90s. Right. So, uh, but moving on to Maury. You know, I I think I'm going to be somewhere in the same ballpark with Mikey. I think I'm actually going to be just a little bit lower. I think Maury is just a little bit tamer than Jerry Springer. I'm going to put him more in the 5.0 range. You know, as I was doing a little bit of research for this show, one of the things that I thought was quite amusing was there was one person that was on the show that had twins and they were trying to find out who the dad was. And it turns out she was like this one in a million case where she had fraternal twins. And the person that was asked or they were asking ended up being the father of one of the babies, but not of the other baby. Yep. That's really embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. And he was like, lots of embarrassing shit on more. Yeah. Yeah. And he was like, one out of two ain't bad. You know, yeah. and uh, he was all pumped up about it. She was like, that's impossible. No. And they were like, no, it's actually if you're, you know, it's two separate eggs. Yeah. And if you're very promiscuous in that one small little time. <laughs> Yeah, you're like, that, you don't get to ask any questions. Yeah. We get to start asking you questions. <laughs> uh, like, gangbang? Yeah, or did the guy leave and the other guy showed up immediately? Like, was right. there any, a devil's three-way? Was there yeah. any cleanup done? You know. No. That's gross. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, no. And and that's the kind of, uh, you know. Her friends call her cream pie, Kathy. <laughs> I know. I'm not slut-shaming here. I'm not saying that it's gross. I'm just like, the <laughs> the actual... The idea of, of not even cleaning up and just having another dude take a run at her, I'm just kind of like, wow, <laughs> you were you were horny. Yeah. Maury said it happened twice on his show. He was like, one in a million chance, twice, twice. On, 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 on my show. That feels statistically improbable, <laughs> but... Over the course of 30 years and probably a million... Nah, not or a million. A hundred thousand. <laughs> nah, uh, not a hundred thousand. <laughs> no, I'm thinking you're doing, even if you're saying every episode you did for 30 years, you're saying he's pumping out a hundred episodes a year, maybe 200? I mean, I uh, yeah, probably, I would say a hundred. So, so okay. a hundred times that. So even if there's multiple thousand. Three thousand, yeah. Or multi- 30, maybe there's multiple guests on the show. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's still statistically yeah. highly improbable. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, the chuckles I got while doing the research on all this. Yeah. But yeah, to bring it all back home, I think that Maury is just a tick under our boy Jerry Springer at the 5.22 mark. So I'm going to open up with a 5.0. All right. And we'll see where Maury lands by the end of the show. Sweet. 5.0 for Buddy. 
Randy, bring us home. All right. Love some Maury. Uh, have spent a lot of time watching Maury. If I am home during the day, you guys know. Mm-hmm. It's usually some prices, right? It's just kind of like background music, right? As you kind of yeah. are putzing around the house if you're just like taking care of stuff. The screensaver. That's right. But it is high drama when you get to the DNA results. <laughs> yeah. And then you hear the story that plays out because sometimes like shit pops off and then they, they start admitting, yeah, yeah, slept with the neighbor or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And it gets, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of sad and we'll kind of get into it in the show. Like, are they targeting certain folks a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm kind of with you guys. I have a little bit like, he's not Jerry Springer light, but the content was just a little less like completely fucked up. Yeah. Uh, yeah but there was no Cupid running around naked. Right. On the Maury Povich show. Like there was on Springer. No, there was just a chick that got impregnated by two guys at once. (laughs) (laughs) So, pre-show, I have made a 5.1 to start Maury Povich off with. 5.1. All right. With a 5.22 from Mikey, a 5.0 from Buddy, and a 5.1 from Randy, Maury Povich's pre-show asshole score is a 5.11. All right, 5.11. Interesting territory, just a shade above Tila Tequila, Nazi loving Tila Tequila at a 5.1. Again, Maury's a 5.11. And then just above him is Lindsay Lohan at a 5.17. Yeah, okay. that matches. Yeah. They could both be on his show. That's right. Easily. Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan, for Lindsay those Lohan. wanting to correct me. Yes, yeah. I always say Lohan just because the Kendrick Lamar verse. And that's that's right. just stuck forever. I'm Lohan. Yeah. I think yeah. that's correct, but I just <laughs> choose not to because she doesn't deserve my respect. So, <laughs> Are you guys ready to rip the rubber off and do it? <laughs> I am. Let's hear the results. Maurice Richard Povich was born on January 17th, 1939 in Washington, D.C., the middle of three children born to Ethel and Shirley Povich. So it would have been quite fitting that Maury Povich had two moms growing up. But no, his father just had one of those girl names that dudes used to unfortunately get. It wasn't super uncommon to hear of guys getting names like Leslie and Lindsay back in the day. But Shirley Lewis Povich was an accomplished sports writer at the Washington Post. Shirley was his dad's name. Shirley was his dad's name. Like... S-H-I-R-L-E-Y? Shirley, you must be joking. I'm not joking. <laughs> don't call me Shirley. Yeah, that's yeah. that's it. Wow. Yeah, S-H-I-R-R-L-E-Y. His dad fucking hated him. With Pops getting the scoop from all the local teams, it led young Maury to be very interested in sports as a youngster, even getting to live out many boys' childhood dreams and served as a bat boy for the old Washington Senators baseball team. Oh, wow. That'd be cool. Yeah, so who the hell are the Washington Senators, you may ask? They moved cities and became the Minnesota Twins in the early 60s. So Maury's fucking old. Yeah, he is. Yep. And there is now another pro team in Washington, the Nationals. That's right. Surely. He was like... Blown away with that name. <laughs> I'm like, he's the bat boy for the Brooklyn Dodgers or something right. like that. That's it. Me and Duke Snyder hung out afterwards and showed his dick to me. <laughs> Ty Cobb was really nice, yeah. okay? Like, he just was. Yeah, he said I was the bat boy, but that was a euphemism. <laughs> Maury was a smart kid and attended the prestigious All Boys London School in Bethesda, Maryland. I did a quick peek on their website and found that it costs about forty-five to 50000 a year for tuition. This doesn't include books, meals, and some Bel Air Academy-looking uniforms. Mm. Very it's prestigious. Is that na- uh, today's state-wise? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Not, yeah on their uh, website today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah back costs. then in the 50s, man, when we talked about DeLorean's salary, that would have been like $700,000 a year. 
$40,000 a year if it was not adjusted for inflation. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. After London, he took his academic talents to Philadelphia and went on to attend the even more prestigious University of Pennsylvania. Okay. UPenn, huh? Yep. Went to Penn. There aren't a whole lot of stories about Maury in his high school and college years, but with the company he was keeping at his hoity-toity schools and the fact that his dad was an accomplished member of the media, especially in a time where newspaper reporters could have what these kids call clout, it seems as though he had a fairly privileged upbringing. There is one thing about Povich that is fairly uncommon for many of our guests. He actually had a solid father figure in his life, and his childhood didn't seem to leave him with scars of some of our prior show subjects. Yeah. Oh, wow. So dad was around and kind of prominent in his life. And oh, for sure. And yeah. he, like I said, sounds like he went to these, and the Landon School is a private school from like, I think it was like fifth grade to 12th. Okay. And then he went to Penn. Yeah. Um, I mean, like yeah, Marist or something around school. here. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Yeah. I think his dad pants. got that bitch ass name. Was like, I'm going to be the most manly dude alive and be a super dad and into sports and everything that makes me not gay yeah. i'm surely not gay yeah. i was cussed with this name but i'll make it a blessing that's it i ah, see he graduated from penn with his degree in tv journalism and quickly landed his first gig as a street reporter for a local dc radio station he shifted to coverage news talk and sports on wttg tv a local metro media station WTTG White Titties. That's right, Metro Media. In 1967, he became the original co-host of the station's popular midday talk show, Panorama, which brought young Mopo widespread acclaim and national recognition. Panorama covered events such as the aftermath of the assassination of JFK, the riots in Washington following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., anti-war demonstrations during Vietnam, and historic events of Watergate. For those working on Capitol Hill and in the White House during that time, Panorama was a television staple, covering all major news events long before the advent of the 24-hour news cycle. Huh. Interesting. After 15 years, Povich ended his run with Panorama and left D.C. Over the next seven years, he anchored newscasts for ABC, CBS, and NBC-owned and operated television stations in Chicago, L.A., San Francisco, and Philadelphia. Man, he had uh, quite a career. Sure did. And it seems as though he just was kind of this up-and-comer, and and that's kind of, you're tapped as this, you know, you're really good at your job, you're a good face, good voice. Well, then he started hitting those major markets like New York and L.A. and stuff like that. I mean, that's when you're making the big time. Like, whenever you're watching, like, local news, you're visiting somewhere else, you're like, somehow, for some reason, you're in Tulsa, and you see the news anchor, and you're like, she's not going to make it here long. She's on her way to bigger pictures. She's going up to Chicago. Absolutely. So Povich then headed to CBS-owned KNX-TV in Los Angeles, where he co-anchored along a young up-and-coming broadcaster, Connie Chung. Uh-oh. Oh, wow. I know what's happening here. This wasn't the first time that Chung and Maury had met. In fact, in 1969, when he was the lead man in Washington, D.C., she was a copy girl. Maury never paid any attention to me, said Chung. You know, I would rip wire off the copy machines and I'd hand it to him. Seven years later, in 1977, they met again on the West Coast. This time, Chung had top billing. Co-anchor, second banana, Povich said of himself, and she was the big star in L.A. That's when their current affair began. Oh! (laughs) He said, we dated for over seven years and never lived together, said Maury. It was perfect. They married... (laughs) (laughs) Connie Chung actually said it was perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I was not expecting Maury to say that. No, they married in 1984. Said they were living in two different cities, said Connie, and that made it the perfect marriage. Maury said, I've been Mr. Chung for almost 40 years. I mean, if you take a look at in terms of my career, you could absolutely track all my success, my national success, after I married this woman. 
Wow. That's yep. very deferential. Good for you there, Maury. So he was an up-and-comer, but she really put him on the map? Yeah, absolutely. And she asked him, why would you say that? And he said, because she settles me, and she encouraged me, and she was a believer in what I had to offer. And if that is mass paternity tests uh, for uh, <laughs> gullible folks, you know, in society, for Park that's folks, what it is. You yeah. know. She believes in me. <laughs> like a Kenny Rogers song right there. <laughs> you lost me there. You never heard that song? Oh, man, that's an old famous one. But Maury and Connie's run together only lasted six months, and Maury was fired after a change in the station's news management. Povich moved next to San Francisco, where he co-hosted AM San Francisco and co-anchored news for ABC-owned KGO-TV. He returned back to D.C. in 83 to again host Panorama, as well as the station's 10 o'clock news, where he won an Emmy in 1984 for Best Co-Anchor. Okay. Second only to Danny Tanner out there in San Francisco. (laughs) That's right. Danny Tanner was on the news, wasn't he? Yeah. Was he a news anchor? No, that was uh, Bob Saget's character in Full House. I know. But yeah, no, he did the morning show with, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, Aunt Becky. Aunt Becky. The two of them did the morning show. That was God. their job? Yeah, 100%. Wake up San Francisco. That oh, show, man. That's right. I that, guess, show, uh, yeah. that show fucking sucked. <laughs> Love that show, man. <laughs> Cut it out. Cut it out. Yeah, I know. Then, yeah, Uncle Jesse was a, just a rando rock star that was just... Yeah, yeah. dude. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Look at my hair. Yeah. Big thanks for all the support of the last two years, and now we've got something new for you. Conspiracy Court. We'll take some of the most unbelievable and sometimes some of the most believable conspiracies and run them through our courtroom-style show to see what you think. These shows will be available exclusively on Patreon.com, and you can find us there at AHC Podcast. While you're there, you can sign up for ad-free shows, voting power on future episodes, stickers, swag, and a whole lot more. Check it out today. Once again, thanks for everything, and we couldn't do it without you guys. Seriously. Now, Let's get back to the courtroom. In 1985, the Metro Media Group was sold to Rupert Murdoch, becoming part of the Fox Television Network. Murdoch brought Povich to New York to help create and host a news magazine called A Current Affair, which launched in 1986, becoming an instant hit and forever changing the news-gathering habits of television news programs. We watched a lot of A Current Affair. Everybody watched a lot of A Current well, Affair. And was Edition... Inside, Inside Edition. Edition. Yeah, yeah, but Maury was the original host on that? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Current Affair had the triangle. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. When Murdoch offered him the relative stability of host of a new kind of show, Povich was all in. I fervently believe that the first five or six years of Current Affair changed the whole landscape of covering news on television. For the worse. <laughs> he said, how so? Current Affair became so popular because of the stories that the network newsrooms were putting in the trash can. Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, and all the other so-called tabloid stories. All of a sudden, we were getting the ratings the network newscasts were getting. CBS News, I guarantee you, does more crime than they used to. So, yeah, yeah that was it. A current affair. I definitely remember the the little intro. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. yeah. It would be wild, too. They'd be like, or uh, this this story of a murder that went wrong. And also, after the break, ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they always have the most random shit on there. Yeah. You know? It was that, Current Affair, Inside Edition, Unsolved Mysteries, and Rescue 911. Rescue that, that created us as a generation, I think. <laughs> if we could just pinpoint the exact moment when everything Shatner, went to shit. Yeah, William Shatner, Maury Povich. Uh, Robert Stack. Yeah. There, oh, that's yeah. the Mount Rushmore right there. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. 
Povich left the current affair in 1991 to host his own nationally syndicated talk show, Paramount's The Maury Povich Show. What year was this? 1991. Okay, yeah. For the first 18 seasons, Maury episodes were taped back-to-back in the Grand Ballroom of the Hotel Pennsylvania in New York City. Oh, we have a little... A little thing there with Hotel Pennsylvania. Absolutely. Mikey and I stayed in Hotel Pennsylvania one time. We were up there doing a trade show. Was I with you? You I was were. With you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. Buddy was All with, of us us. Were with yeah. us. Yeah. Yes. Don't try and shortchange uh, sorry, me. Sorry, man. Sorry. <laughs> it was a cheap hotel, and the beauty of it was it is right across the street from, from that Square, Square Garden. Yes. Like, you can't yes. get cheaper. We're like, oh, 100 bucks for one room. It is haunted. I don't even <laughs> believe in ghosts, and that hotel is haunted. And it looks like something out of Mad Men. It does. Uh, well, mean, it looks it like something. Well, and it is in Mad Men. That's where uh, the right. dude goes and fucks his girlfriend on lunch breaks. And I was like, oh, right. This is great. <laughs> but then we went to it. It looked very much scarier than I recall. Not that I recall, but more than I expected. Each door looked like a coffin door. Yeah. It hadn't been yes. renovated. Now, they had just, somebody had bought it and had renovated the lobby. So the lobby was looking pretty good. You walked in, you're like, okay, and All then right, you go up do to this. the rooms, and again, immediately just ghosts that are, yeah. that, that, you know, some some gangster from the 40s and shit that got killed in there, he's just coming there, he's like changing out your towels. Yeah, it definitely had that feel of, uh, what was the hotel that we stayed at with our buddy up there, it was like maybe like the Sex Pistols had stayed there or oh, something Oh, you are like talking that. about the Chelsea. Yeah, it definitely had like the Chelsea feel to it. Yeah, where the it was Chelsea just... was a bit more drugged in. This was more of a fuck pad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they had their, their own thing. But the, the, the wild thing was is that, uh, you know, I went downstairs and I was like, well, let me go, because I, I was like, let me go like drink a beer and kind of walk around for a minute. So I'm down there drinking a beer and then I look over and I see a human turd like right there by the door. Right there, and Actually, I was like, oh. ten feet to the left." Yeah, well, it and was that the wasn't left. there thirty minutes ago. So I go upstairs, and I was like, "Hey, man!" I was like, "You won't believe it! I saw a human fucking turd like right by the door. It's disgusting." And they were like, "Oh, gross!" So like, flash forward an hour later, we're out at the other entrance, the right and, side of yeah, the yeah, door. yeah. And Outside Randy, Madison Square Gardens, yeah. yeah. Randy was like, "Oh, there's that turd." And I was like, "That's a different turd." <laughs> so there was two turds, multiple the, human outside. turds. It was outside of Hotel Pennsylvania. Yes. yes. Like, you walk out the door, no shit, the first turd was about 10 feet to yeah. the left, the other turd was about 30 feet to the right. Talking full-on baby Ruths. Yeah. They're just laying there, Some man. person took a shit on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, that's when, there you go, Hotel right Pennsylvania. Right by the garden. <laughs> oh, what it. a great place to go play ball. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, and that's where Maury Povich took its dumps and filmed his show. <laughs> that's right, the Grand Ballroom. The studio shared the facility in the Hotel Pennsylvania with the People's Court and the Sally Jesse Raphael Show. Maury has dealt with a variety of issues across his 31 seasons, including, but not limited to, teenage pregnancy, sexual infidelity, paternity test results, uncommon illnesses, makeovers, out-of-control teenagers, transgender individuals, sperm theft, obese children, domestic violence, little people, bullying, and unusual phobias. Oh, oh, I love that one. That's Uh my favorite. After the taping of these episodes, guests are often tracked for progress, both on air and on the Maury website. Episodes featuring updates on past guests are periodically aired throughout the year. Guests either appear in person or by video message updating Maury on their situations. At the end of every season, Maury does a countdown of the top 10 most memorable guests of the year with updates on each guest. Oh, I love the recaps. That's awesome. I love the unusual phobias. The one that kind of got me questioning, sperm theft? Yeah. Like where... Uh, like maybe I don't know, man. 
<laughs> I'm a little confused on this he one. It's truth in advertising. <laughs> it's just gonna be what it's gonna be, man. Yeah, someone stole buddy, it right out of my nuts. Like I had the answer. He's like, so sperm theft? <laughs> like I know what the fuck that he is. Said, what you do is you get a, a Capri Sun straw. Yeah, and you <laughs> zip it in there right when you're about to finish. Ow! Oh. Ow! Yowza! <laughs> yeah, it'll stop you real quick. <laughs> right outside the garden. Povich treated each episode and story with the seriousness of a journalist, noting that despite the show's theatrics and entertainment elements, each show he covered involved real people and real-life consequences. In 1998, the show was taken over by Studios USA, and when they took over production, it was renamed simply Maury. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't need anything more than that. That's right. He's becoming like Cher. Well, how many Maury's do you know? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. One. I don't even know one. Yeah. The guy B. Tuesday. And his name is three different things. Maury Richard Povich. That's like three totally different backgrounds. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maury. You know, he's like a fucking Upper East Side Jew. Then you got Richard. He's, uh, you know, a ball player or whatever. <laughs> Povich, he's from Eastern Europe and just <laughs> came over post-World War II. <laughs> The show often veered into what critics called trash TV, and in 1998, it became known for a segment called Who's the Daddy, yeah. during which men who were denying or trying to establish paternity were given DNA tests and the results were revealed on the air. I believe this to be the most positive turning point for the show. Wait, wait, you that's your belief. That's my belief. God, okay. Yes. Right. I wasn't sure. I was like, and Maury said that. I was okay. Because that is what that's that's where he made his bones. Oh, that's for what sure. everybody knows for it sure. for. That is why I believe it's the most yeah. important turning point in the show. Yeah. He was especially proud of cases where men would own up to their paternity, get involved in the child's life, and reunite with the mother to form a stable nuclear family. Mm-hmm. Much of Povich's focus on paternity tests came from his steadfast belief in the virtues of a nuclear family and his stance that children were best served with both parents involved in the child's life. Yeah, that's gilding the lily for sure. <laughs> He's like, I'm doing the Lord's work out here. <laughs> okay, guy, sure. <laughs> you just happen to have the two chicks on the planet that got impregnated by four dudes <laughs> at the same time? I feel you, Maury. You're doing it. But it wasn't all fist bumps and you are the fathers. Maury saw his share of rocky times as the host of his own show, and it's not just the drama on screen that Maury was involved with. In 2006, former Maury producer Bianca Nardi sued the host for sexual harassment for $100 million. Oh, my God. Claiming they barraged her with sexual remarks and made her watch porno movies and expose her body. Bianca Nardi of Fort Lee, New Jersey, said in court papers that the sexually charged atmosphere among the show's production staff was fostered by the intimate and sexual relationship between defendants Maurice Richard Povich and one of the show's producers, Donna Benner Ingber. So she alleged that Donna Benner Ingber and Povich were totally fucking. I'm not surprised by that, but I'm just like, and it probably, I wouldn't be surprised to find out this was true to some extent, but $100 million? $100 million bucks. Yeah, man, you're, you're going, really going for the payday for right yeah. there. You How know? do you even justify that? I mean, I mean, I'm sure that they do it. You have to justify it on paper. Her attorney had to do yeah. that. But I'm like, I just, I mean, for real, pay me $100 million bucks. Yeah. I'll do some weird shit. I don't understand, though. (laughs) Court papers also say Nardi had an unfairly heavy workload because she did the tasks that were supposed to be done by Ingber, who refused to do her own work without penalty because of her relationship with Povich. So essentially she was passing off work to uh, her underling. Man. So she had to do the job of two people. Yep. So she had to get reimbursed $100 million. That's it. Yeah. At the time of the incident, Rosen was quoted as saying, we are aware of the allegations of harassment made by Ms. Nardi. 
We have done a complete and thorough investigation of her allegations of harassment, and we're satisfied that there is no merit to them. We stand behind our experience and dedicated staff fully. According to court papers, Donna Benner Ingber, who is named as one of the defendants, many times in an intoxicated condition, telephoned Nardi's residence at all hours of the late evening to discuss her personal relations with defendant Povich and other men whom she was secretly seeing, Ooh. and to ask Nardi what staffers were saying about their relationship. Oh, so what? Like she was getting jealous and like getting calling drunk her, and calling yeah. her at night. See, so you won't believe it, but Maury, he fucks like a stallion. But the thing is, so is this other guy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the staff thinks about all this? Yeah, are they into him because he's hot? You know, do you think so? You know, we made you watch that porn. You were cool with it, right? <laughs> I could see it happening, but it's it's so specific. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's it is very, very specific. Through the nearly six years of her employment, Nardi's court papers say Paul Fallhaber, executive producer of the Maury Povich show, ordered her to wear short skirts, low-cut blouses, and push-up bras. Fallhaber is also a defendant in the suit. Fallhaber directed her to wear concealed cameras and microphones for undercover assignments, such as going to bars to secretly videotape men agreeing to have sex with her. What? Nardi complains in court papers that these activities were outside her job description. She was forced <laughs> to comply for fear of being fired. Her lawsuit says when she complained, Fallhaber retaliated by making her do other demeaning jobs. Can you they, imagine if it was in the job description? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you would just refer back to your hiring contract. Yeah, uh, so here's the deal. Compensation uh, is going to reach out shortly, but I want you to go ahead and look through these bullet points of things we're going to have you do. Occasionally, you'll have to grab coffee. You're going to be responsible for doing uh, any sort of evaluations for uh, direct reports that you have. Uh, also, you're going to wear a secret camera and try to get guys to fuck you at the local <laughs> bar. Watering hole. Yeah. Hey, Maury, uh, your job got flagged on Indeed. <laughs> they won't let me post this one. <laughs> mm. Indeed. <laughs> Additional court papers say Fall Haber forced Nardi to run a gauntlet of sexually abusive and intimidating conduct, including posing in sexually explicit positions, exposing her breasts, and watching porn with Fall Haber. Yeah, I mean, there has to be documentation of this stuff, honestly, especially if, if he had her, like, putting a fake camera, or not a fake camera, but, like, a hidden camera and shit. And, like, watching porn with them, I guess. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't imagine, like, being like, this seems like a good idea at work. Hey, you ever... You ever watched hardcore porn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ever like, done it while yeah. you're working? <laughs> yeah, I've never understood that as well. Like, yeah, like, hey, want to watch something on TV real quick? Yeah. Check this out. What do you think about this one right here? Yeah. No, wait, wait, wait hang on, wait a minute. Hold on. That that part right there. That's wait. a good part. I like that part a lot. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I mean, there were talks of like certain individuals in the TV and movie business back in the 90s, late 80s and stuff like that, that were kind of like that in a sense where oh, it was yeah. just like, this is my personality. I'm a, you know, like, I love porn. And, you know, like Kanye they, was doing that when he was with Adidas. Really? That was a constant thing where he was like, yeah, he would show porn like during meetings and shit like God that. Almighty. Yeah, but oh. I guess, yeah, if you're like. <laughs> Jesus, man. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't imagine it was Red Shoe Diaries either. Yeah, I doubt it was softcore. <laughs> yeah. It's probably some pretty freak nasty shit. Uh, but, yeah, I don't, I mean, obviously it still probably goes on now. I just, it's just so strange to me. I can't imagine being like, this seems. Like, this won't cause any problems. Yeah. Was so, there multiple people that claimed this, or is just the one? So, Nardi, just her, uh, she needed psychiatric treatment because of the harassment, and also said she gained 40 to 50 pounds because of the workplace stress. 
Povich and his team wound up obtaining a gag order for the case, and it went to arbitration. Yeah, they paid out on it. There that I'll just leave alone. Yep. Another off-screen incident that got the show in some hot water occurred in 2017 when Barry Moore from Ohio filed a harassment complaint against the Maury show. Moore said he wanted no part of being on the show, but was bombarded by calls and messages. As he was filling out the police report, he said he was still getting messages from the show. When the first message they sent me on Facebook and asked me to add them, I showed my wife and she said, hmm. I said, I wonder what this is all about. The message came from one of the show's associate producers. It was about a relationship Moore had years ago. She said, do you know a blank? And I said, yes, that's one of my alleged sons. She said, well, he wants you to come on the show and do a DNA test because he wants to know if you're his dad. Moore said after he told the show no, the calls continued and the Facebook messages started. He got so fed up that he filed a police report saying the show was harassing him. He said the calls only stopped after he threatened to get a lawyer. She said, is this Stephanie again? Is Barry calm? Do you think he could talk to me for now? And I said a few curse words, and I took the phone for my wife, and I hung up. After Moore refused to go on the show, the Middletown Police Department got a call claiming that he sexually assaulted one of his kids 24 years ago when the child was three. The alleged victim is a sibling to the man trying to get Moore to go on the Maury show. So this guy that says Moore was his dad has a sibling that said he also molested him. I mean, I need like a diagram for this. Yeah, yeah. No shit. <laughs> the Welcome to Maury show. Yeah. But at the yep. end of the day, it sounds like this guy just didn't want to go on the show because he was afraid that this crap was going to get brought yeah, up. That's right. And he was like, no, nah, I'm good. Yep. Oh, yeah. Not at all. I, someone calls me up from Maury or Springer to go on the show. I'm good. A hundred percent no. Lose my number. Yeah. I was in Arizona and that was 1993. And I left Ohio in 1989, Moore said. He offered to pay half for a DNA test without going on the Maury show. There's kits you can buy, and he said, well, I ain't got no money. You're going to pay for it, and you're supposed to be my dad? And I said, get a job. I don't know what the fuck that means. I'm taking this guy's quote directly, and that's what we're dealing with. Yeah, that's the caliber of people Pretty much he said, there's kits you can buy, and I ain't got no money. If you want me to figure out who the hell your dad is, buy me the test. That's kind of what he said there. But I ain't going on the show. Yeah, get a job. And, of course, there is all the on-screen drama that I love so much and has made Maury a one-name celebrity like Madonna or Pitbull. Yeah. In my opinion, the people that are on the show are really the backdrop for the actual story of what happened. That's what draws the people in. When you hear a headline like, my stepdaughter won't stop masturbating in her grandmother's house, it's going to draw your attention. (laughs) Is that a real fucking title? That's a Randy classic. Okay. (laughs) As far as legendary guests go, Maury frequent flyer Shalanda is up there just for the number of times she's appeared on the show. Altogether, she's popped up 19 times, requesting the same number of DNA tests to uncover the paternity of her three kids. Shalanda started her recurring Maury role in 2004 when she brought her husband on. She confessed that she cheated on him and that their daughter Kayla might not be his. Turned out, he was not the father. But even 17 tests later... The show's search and finding Kayla's biological father was still unsuccessful. That's oh, my God. 19 tests that this lady has put dudes through. And we still haven't found out who the father is? Nope. That's devastating for the kid. There it is. So you got to be 20 to break the record. Yeah. And Maury's just doing the Lord's work out here, just trying to make sure that kid's <laughs> taken care of. Just trying to reconnect it with the nuclear family. Yeah. That's right. Let's just bring you back on here again. How many times have you listened to an episode and thought, Man, I wish they would have said this. Well, now with our interactive social media pages, you can. 
Let us know what you think about our show subjects and give us your scores. We'd love to hear from you. Well, most of you at least. Let's dive back into the action. During his show's run, another one of Maury's shticks was to invite guests to share their unusual phobias. Yeah. But instead of providing support, he brought them face-to-face with their fears, yep. leaving them dashing about in a panic. So true. This is like the original fear factor. A little bit. There was a woman that was scared of birds, another terrified of mustard, but the best remembered is Mariah, who was afraid of pickles. Oh, I thought it was olives. Uh, there was one of olives. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. Okay, because olives, the olive one I remember, like that's literally. They came out with a jar of olives and she literally bolted off yeah. stage. Yeah. So they were like, why are you afraid of olives? She's like, it just reminds me of eyeballs. And then here comes like his equivalent of Steve Wilco with a Costco sized jug <laughs> of olives to just put in her face. And I was like, this is just unnecessary. But it was. 25 years ago and I still remember it very well. <laughs> yep. yeah, I'm like picturing like a sandwich with like two olive eyes <laughs> oh, on yeah. it with like the toothpicks. And oh, he had the, it was the jug back in my, when I bartended. It was what you dug your hand in with <laughs> a fucking, right. with, a, with a glove <laughs> 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 to get olives out for the martinis at night. After moving vignette about her fear, Maury told everyone that they took her to a pickle factory, <laughs> then showed her a, p- a plate of pickles. Neither went well. While exposure therapy might work sometimes, this just isn't a good look if you're trying to fight the image of cheap entertainment. But that's the thing. Maury's not. No. No. Not at all. Pickle P. He knows his target audience. Yep. As with any talk show with content and characters like this, there are bound to be rumors that all this stuff is staged. In 2015, Maury hosted a Reddit AMA where he insisted that everything on the show is real. However, some Reddit users have claimed otherwise. Users swallowed in the sea claimed that they were an audience member for the show. Before taping began, someone in the crew told the audience how to react in certain situations, like booing during paternity tests and which guest side to be on. On top of the audience coaching, there were accusations from former Maury interns that even the guests were told how to act on stage and that the stories are twisted to be more sensational. Of course. Uh, 100%. This is reality TV. Right. You know. I, you know. I told you guys the story on Springer. It was like I was watching a play. Yeah, and I could. And but the story that I went to was so far fetched and <laughs> fucking weird. Yeah. Um. But like the paternity test, I could absolutely go out and tell the the crowd, cheer when I do this. Yep. You do this. It's how you build the hype for. Yeah. Everything has a narrative at yeah. the end of the day. If you and just this, leave people to their vices out there, they're gonna yeah. fuck it all up. Yeah. The foundational story is true, probably, and then they're just like, but hey, let's go ahead and. Let's just put a little juice in that. Yeah, just because there's a little bit of sensationalism doesn't make it false at the end of the day. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So most talk shows have been accused of being exploitative of their guests, and Maury is no exception. In 2019, Public Enemy's Chuck D. took shots at Maury and Jerry Springer on Twitter for exploiting young black people. And Chuck isn't wrong. The show does tend to play on stereotypes. There are also accusations that Maury takes advantage of poorer people paying for his TV circus. Reportedly, Maury and CB analyst Gary McCord were playing golf one day when McCord said that he wouldn't host Maury's show for $5 million a year. Maury returned, neither would I, because reportedly he was making $14 million a year at that time. Damn. Jeez. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely like I talked about, they, they target certain folks, right? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, give me a show that doesn't really at the end of the day. I mean, you look even I mean, at, like, like... what kind of show? Like, no, what, like, any kind of, like, reality TV show. Like, for instance, even, like, Survivor with Jeff Probst. Uh, he's going to sit there and have all these people standing up on fucking um, 
like big tree trunks at the end of the day after they haven't had any food for three weeks. Mm -hmm. And then he's going to sit there and tempt them and be like, hey, if you take off your top, I'll give you some peanut butter. Like, this is stuff that's happened even in, like, some of the most squeaky clean shows and stuff like that. If you take off your top, I'll give you some peanut <laughs> 100%. butter? 100%. Like, there's girls like that the were... girls? Yeah, some of the girls were like, I will get naked for peanut butter. And Jeff was like, all right, we're going to find you some peanut butter. Every show that's dealing with, like, just reality people, there's yeah. going to be some kind of... Some kind of something. Well, yeah, you're, sw- you're, you're fishing in a pool of people that are just desperate... To be on TV. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like I said, who's going to show up 19 times to be reminded that they don't know who they <laughs> fucked? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But she does it. And this is what you're saying. Well, maybe it's like Fear Factor for the lady with the pickles or the olive. You're like, yeah, but they had an opportunity winning $50,000. <laughs> this poor lady's just, just running away from a fucking pimento sandwich. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's just so odd. He was like, well, you know what we do? It's the best thing to do is... And they snuck up on her with the olive jar yeah, like a ninja. Ran, you yeah, know? ran up the side. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. She took off. It wasn't like a, hey, let's like <laughs> slowly expose you to this for, for you know some sort of therapeutic value. It's like, got your ass. <laughs> but who the fuck is really scared of olives like that? There's weird people out there. Yeah. I knows? mean, somebody was about to eat like peanut butter to take her top off. You know what I'm saying? Take That's- her top off and eat peanut butter. Uh, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. all that's fake, and to uh, assume that all of them have to be held to some kind of higher standards mm-hmm. or something like that—it's uh, just ridiculous. That's a reflection of people that that sucks. I feel like for somebody that's coming from a news background, though, that had like at one point was you know doing a long form news show that people were watching in the White House, and all of a sudden he's like, <laughs> you know, this lady had fucked twenty people, doesn't know who the dad is. He wasn't getting paid $14 million a year to be oh, exactly. reporting yeah. the news with That's Connie right. Chung. Yep. That's true, but it just, just doesn't make it any less gross. <laughs> In March of 2022, Povich announced his retirement and the end of his talk show after 31 seasons, making it the longest-running daytime talk show with a single host in American television history. Hmm. Povich discussed his career with Greg Braxton of the LA Times that June, noting that he accomplished all he had wanted to during his career, was proud of what he created with Maury, especially in maintaining the show's ratings in a time when daytime television audiences were shrinking rapidly and had no further desire to do any other television projects. Until, during a recent interview with Matthew McConaughey, E! News shared a video message from Maury in which he told the actor that he would come out of retirement to give him and Woody Harrelson a DNA test. Oh yeah, there's big talk about them being brothers. We what? can do prime time, DNA. Maury's back with Woody and Matthew. I'll even get my Showtime color back in my hair, Povich said in the video. Woody's got my number. I'm ready. McConaughey, who was promoting his debut children's picture book, Just Because, on E! News, said in response to the clip, I don't know if we're going to be calling you to do it on your show, but I like the way you're thinking. Earlier this year, McConaughey revealed on Kelly Ripa's Let's Talk Off Camera podcast that he's been questioning whether Harrelson is actually related to him. In Greece a few years ago, we're sitting around talking about how close we are in our families, McConaughey said. And my mom is there, and she says, Woody, I knew your dad. Everyone was aware of the ellipsis that my mom left after new. It was a very loaded new. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, she, she knew him biblically. Which also, if you're Woody Harrelson and you find out that your brother is Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. You're like, son of a bitch, look at that guy. He's like a Greek god, and here I am looking like Woody Harrelson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> While McConaughey believes Harrelson would be more inclined to take a DNA test, he himself is less enthusiastic about the idea. It's a little harder for me because he's asking me to take a chance to go, wait a minute, 
You're trying to tell me my dad may not be my dad after 53 years of believing that? I got a little more skin in the game. What a fitting end it would be to get one more you are or are not the father. And that, boys, is Maury Povich. Man. Well, and wasn't Woody Harrelson's dad, like, didn't he go to prison for murder? I don't, I don't know, know about I that. I think that's true. We're going to look it up. Hmm. Hold, please. Yeah, organized crime figure who was convicted of assassinating federal judge John H. Wood, the first federal judge to be assassinated in the 20th century. Knew it. Knew it. Knew Woody Harrelson's dad was a murderer. Yeah, Charles Void Harrelson. Yeah. Yeah, he's the first guy to kill a judge in the 21st century, and he made two A-listers. Hey. Two for three. Oh, man, yeah. All right, right all right, all right. All right. <laughs> awesome. Let's get some final scores for Maury, boys. Mikey, what you got? Um, yeah, I mean, my score is going to change all that much. Um, you know, Jerry Springer got a prostitute with a check when he was the mayor of Cincinnati. They're both, it's funny, they both come from fairly respectable backgrounds. Yep, absolutely. Obviously smart people yep. that were, you know, doing whatever and had like really prestigious career trajectories. Uh, and then they decided to go, uh, you know, swim in the fuck tank. <laughs> so I guess it's it is what it is. I mean, I'm not. I don't think Maury Povich is necessarily a bad person. There wasn't much in there aside from maybe he was cheating on his wife with another producer or whatever. But honestly, you know, those celebrities, I just imagine they just fuck like it's handshakes all the time. You know what I mean? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. There's just there's just too much uh, temptation going on in, in that world, I would assume. So I'm going to put him at a 5.10. All right. Uh, with tequila. On the, yeah, <laughs> there you go. Saw that one. All right, 5.10 for Mikey. Buddy, what do you got? All right, so for me, you know, there wasn't really a lot there that I heard that really made him an asshole. You know, there was a little bit of talk of, you know, Nardi... Uh, the lady that was forced to do, you know, certain sexual acts or yeah. watch a bunch of porn. But I don't know if we can really tie that back to Maury at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, if anything, it sounds to me and, you know, this is just, you know, hearing everything here on the show. Uh, to me, it sounds like more she was looking for a payday more so than like Maury being either negligent and not helping her out or really helping out or really doing all this stuff to her. I, I just don't buy it. I want to know what happened with that case because of the stuff that she was, the allegations, there had to be evidence for that, right? Something, like, yeah. Yeah, but all the stuff she was saying, you're like, so hidden camera stuff of you going to the bar to try to pick guys up and not for the show, apparently. Right, yeah. I don't know, but that was never part of the show. And then the question is, was it Maury asking her to do it or was it like other producers it maybe? Was that, that, oh, it was definitely the Fallhaber guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, and, and did Maury have any knowledge of that? You know, we've definitely covered people in the past where... Ellen was a good example. Yeah. You know, where yeah. exactly, where staff members were getting people to do stuff, and it was all under the umbrella of the show, mm-hmm. but did the person who was actually running it know what was going on? Yep. Um, and it doesn't seem like that to me in this particular incident. You know, I just didn't really see anything there. I can't fault Maury from when he was originally doing more of the straight and narrow, and he was kind of doing more of like the... DC reporting, kind of doing the Fox News before Fox News was there in a sense, and then went over to Trash TV because, hey, man, that's where it paid. I can't fault the guy for that, you know, making $14 million a year, especially back in the the 90s or even into the early aughts, you know, good for him. You know, at the end of the day, I originally had him at a 5.0, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to put him into the uh, Oprah Winfrey category at the 4.75 realm because I just don't really see anything that really made it seem like this guy was a huge asshole. 
maybe a little bit controversial on the career path, but that doesn't make you an asshole in my book. So at the end of the day, 4.75 for Mr. Maury Povich. All right, 4.75 for Buddy. Randy, wrap us up. All right, so honestly, you know, there's no real smoking gun. There's no real big nasty secret that came out about it. Um, the allegations, cheating on the wife, never good. And creating the the culture on a show that definitely felt some people or made some people feel a certain way, never good. But like we talked about, Ellen had some issues on her show. You can't justify it, but shit, you know, you don't want to say shit happens, but shit does happen. It's not necessarily always that one person's fault, you know. So he's he's not doctor filling it up over on yeah. his end. He's not doctor ozing it up even on his end, you know. Yep. So I'm actually going to end him in a direct tie with Jerry Springer. I'm going to put him at a 5.22 as my final score. 5.22. All right. With a 5.10 from Mikey, a 4.75 from Buddy, and a 5.22 from Randy, Maury Povich's final asshole score is a 5.02. All right, 5.02, just above Kid Rock at 4.9, and just below Joe Rogan at 5.07. So again, in between Kid Rock and Joe Rogan falls Maury Povich. I think that's pretty good territory for him. Absolutely. Falls right in line. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Asshole Court. As always, like we mentioned in our From the Inbox segment, give us a shout on social media, reply to some of the shows posted, shoot us an email. Hell, contact us anyway. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, We'd love to interact with all you guys uh, and definitely appreciate all those five-star reviews. Until next time, we want you to be kind to one another, and we will see you next time on Asshole Court.